Why do we exist? Were we created with a purpose? Or are we just here by chance? What are we to believe about life, faith, and worldview? Welcome to The Universe Next Door, focusing on answers to the questions we all consider. The Universe Next Door is supported by the C.S. Lewis Society, Trinity College of Florida, and supported by gifts from listeners just like you. Discover more resources and continue the conversation at apologetics.org. And now, your host, the research professor of Bible and theology at Trinity College of Florida, author and speaker, Dr. Tom Woodward. Welcome to the Universe Next Door, and thank you for joining us today. We are very excited to get into a new series on worldviews. Uh, but before we do, I wanted to encourage you to check out our website here at the C.S. Lewis Society, and that is apologetics.org. You will find videos, articles, and just about anything you can think of teaching you how to defend the faith. And also, for those of you who are skeptics, thank you for listening. Uh, it'll also help you to maybe unravel some questions or thoughts you've had about the Christian worldview. So, Mike Burhow, how are you doing today? I am doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, we're excited to have you on the show for, I guess, quite a, quite a bit into the future. Dr. Woodward's out of town. Um, he is a busy man, but we are very excited to have you on, so thank you for doing this regularly. Yeah, I love doing it. It's a lot of fun. Awesome. And so we are now getting into a new series about worldviews. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay, and we're going to focus today a little bit kind of outlining how you test worldviews and how you can sort of mesh that out because, believe it or not, Christianity isn't the only worldview. So we can, uh, as, as you know, those of us who are Christian believers, we could spend obviously the majority of our time in our own worldview, but it's so important to distinguish between Christianity and the others and kind of uh, give people a reference point on how to tell if a worldview can or could be valid and why that matters. Yes, I think that sounds like a good plan. Um, what I What I thought for this week, I mean, since we're going to be doing a series on this, is maybe we would... Uh, just start with the basics of laying out uh, a definition of what a worldview is. Um, we'll maybe uh, just do a quick, like very quick overview of a few different worldview types um, and uh, how to break down different worldviews or how to analyze different worldviews. Um, but our main focus will be uh, on, so how do you test a worldview? Uh, so I thought it would be good to start with uh, a classic definition that this podcast is actually named after the universe next door. Uh, that that name comes from a book written by uh, the late James Sire. Uh, so I thought it'd be good to to just start with um, his classic definition of what a worldview is. Yeah, absolutely. We are very familiar with James Sire. In fact, Doctor Woodward uh, he brings him up all the time. He had done an interview a few years back that we re-aired uh, fairly recently, which was really cool because obviously he had uh, he had passed away not too long ago, but. Yeah, let's right. do it. Yeah, so this definition, uh, it's found in a, a few of his different books. Uh, the first place that I came across it was his book called Naming the Ele Elephant, uh, Worldview as a Concept. And that book is really where he um, lays out what I think is a very good full definition of what a worldview is. And he writes that a worldview is a commitment, a fundamental orientation of the heart, that can be expressed either as a story or as a set of presuppositions. And I think that's an important part of this definition. Uh, oftentimes you'll have different cultures or even uh, within one culture, uh, worldviews oftentimes are expressed uh, in the way that we tell stories or in the stories that we believe most deeply. 
but it's also possible to lay them out sort of as a set of presuppositions or doctrinal statements that kind of outline a worldview. Uh, so it can be expressed as a story or in a set of presuppositions. Uh, so presuppositions he defines as assumptions that may be true, partially true, or entirely false. Now that's important to point out because just because you have a worldview doesn't mean that your worldview is true. Mm. Uh, and then he goes on to say that we can hold these worldviews consciously or subconsciously. And I would actually say that most people hold their worldviews subconsciously. Uh, so everyone has a worldview, but not everyone is aware of what the worldview actually is. Um, and in fact, probably most people aren't aware. Um, worldviews are kind of like the waters that we, we swim in. We don't know that we're wet, but we're swimming in uh, the culture of our worldview. Uh, so we can hold them consciously or subconsciously, and then he adds consistently or inconsistently. We'll talk about that here in a moment. Uh, so, so to go back, their commitments, orientations of the heart, about the basic constitution of reality, and that provides the foundations on which we live, move, and we have our being. Uh, so worldviews are, I mean, that's the, the full definition that he gives. If you want to put that more simply, uh, it's just the way that we look at the world. Uh, it's the lens by which we understand everything that we do in life. And so worldviews are massively important whether we realize it or not. So even if somebody doesn't identify with a specific religion or view, they have a worldview. Absolutely. You can't escape it. It's just your perspective on reality. Right. Uh, C.S. Lewis, I mean, I, I'm sure you know this quote, but he had said that I, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun rises not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. And yeah. so everything we see is tainted by our worldview. We, right, like you said, we can't escape it. Yeah, for sure. And and since you bring up that quote, I, maybe it would be good to just talk for a moment on, on why that is. So that is one of my favorite quotes by C.S. Lewis, uh, because Christianity is this worldview that makes sense out of everything in life. Um, and I would argue that uh, it's the only worldview out there that I think can make sense out of everything in life. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and one of the reasons for that, so when you're trying to understand a worldview, there's three, three components to focus on. So I'm going to give you... Uh, three other um, million-dollar words, uh, if you will. So there's the metaphysical aspect of a worldview. Uh, so metaphysics is just the study of reality. Uh, so every worldview has a particular metaphysic or a view of what is actually real. There's what's uh, called the epistemological aspect of a worldview. Uh, so epistemology is just the study of knowledge. So how do we know the things that we say that we know? Uh, and then there's the ethical component of a worldview. Uh, so every worldview has a metaphysics, an epistemology, uh, and uh, an ethic. Um, although not every worldview focuses on each of those. Uh, mm -hmm. But now when you look at the Christian worldview, if you think about what is the metaphysical aspect of a Christian worldview, the Christian worldview starts with uh, the triune God of the Bible, who is ultimate reality, or Sire calls it prime reality. Uh, so when I think about what is prime reality, um, I do this uh, discussion in my classes, even with um, uh, ninth graders, uh, you can do a thought experiment like this. Even actually with my own eight-year-old, eight um, I've done this thought experiment with them, uh, where I, I go up on a board and I draw a box and I draw a star. I'm not very good at drawing, but I try my best. I try to draw solar systems in this box and uh, stars and Earth and and everything in the box represents the universe. 
And so uh, the thought experiment is, okay, if we have on this whiteboard uh, the universe that we just uh, drew onto it, if I erase the Earth, what's left? Um, and everyone in the class will say, well, there's still uh, stars, there's still other planets, there's still other solar systems. If you get rid of Earth, all you get rid of is just one tiny dot in the universe. Uh, so then I started racing other things on the board. I started racing the stars. I started racing other, other galaxies uh, until I get to the edge of the universe. And so uh, when I get rid of all the planets, all the stars, I ask, so what's left? Uh, and then they say, well, just empty space. And so at that point, I erase the whole box. Uh, so we get rid of space. We get rid of all the material components uh, of the universe. And, um, and then I also talk about time. So I get rid of time. And then I ask, well, what's left after that? Um, and actually, I have students, when we're doing this thought experiment, I have them write down a word. So write down just one word that describes what's left. Uh, and actually, I may I'll just ask you, what, what do you think are maybe some of the more common words that students might give at that point? Um, I would either think nothing, or my, some of them might say the board. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, this is actually <laughs> true. So a lot of them will say nothing. Uh, some of them will say it's just the whiteboard like okay you didn't quite get the thought experiment (laughs) Um, and that happens um i had one time i thought this was was pretty funny uh i had two students call out their words at one time and one student said nothing and at the same time another student said everything and i said well that's interesting One of the things that philosophers like to do, we like to talk about everything and we like to talk about nothing. And sometimes we like to talk about everything and nothing at the same time. Uh, But then I I asked, and then this, you know, know, this was a a college class. And you have uh, when a student called out everything and one student called out nothing, you just saw the heads explode on all the students at that moment. So I asked them, what's the difference between nothing and everything? And I asked the student who said, why did you say nothing? Um, I had him give a reason, and he said, well, if you get rid of the universe, the universe is everything that is, so if you get rid of it, there's nothing left. I'm like, okay, that, I understand your, your reasoning there. So then I talked to the student who said everything. I'm like, why would you say everything? And he said, actually, my first word that I wrote down was nothing, but then I thought about it for a moment, and I said, if there's really nothing, and so this was a bright student. Uh, he mm-hmm. said, if there really was nothing, then there's no potential because the potential to bring a universe into existence has to be something. Right. So I thought a universe can't come from nothing because that doesn't make any sense. There's nothing there to create. So it must be everything. Uh, And so that thought experiment, I think, gets us to this idea of what is uh, prime reality or ultimate reality. Now, if we're thinking about this as a Christian... Um, we wouldn't say prime reality is nothing. Um, I agree with the student that said that wouldn't make any sense. Uh, how do you get a universe from nothing? Uh, but we're also more specific than saying it's just everything. We're saying if you erase the whole universe, what you have is prime reality, and that reality is God, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this God brings a universe into existence. Uh, so if we're thinking about this from a metaphysical perspective, uh, we might say that God is a necessary being. Uh, what that means is that uh, you can't get rid of God. God just is. Uh, there is no possible world in which God does not exist. Um, whereas the uh, the universe is what's called contingent. 
Uh, so the universe doesn't have to exist. The only reason that the universe does exist is because God decided to create a universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now, if this God exists, this triune God of Scripture, uh, what are the attributes of this God? This God is rational. This God is a moral being. Uh, this God is um, a loving being. Uh, this God exists in community. And so if God is going to create uh, a universe it would make sense that the universe would display some of the attributes of God. So it makes sense that we live in a universe that is rational, orderly. It would also make sense that we would live in a universe that has beauty, that we live in a universe that has morality. Uh, But the Christian worldview also says that humans are created in the image of this God. And when you start with that metaphysical concept, that ultimate reality is a, a rational, moral God who creates a rational, orderly creation and then creates humans in the image of this God, that is the foundation for knowing anything at all. And so when C.S. Lewis says, by it I see everything else, I think that's the start of understanding what C.S. Lewis is saying there. Right, I would agree. And um, the the word that keeps popping into my mind as as you're going on about this is logos, that uh, the Apostle John uses and was really widely used outside of him. Uh, But Jesus is the intelligence and Obviously, I think the beginning of John 1 points to the Trinity, that he was with God and he was God, but he also always was and is. He's always been there. Um, Right. And if he's God, there's no possibility that he hasn't and always won't be there. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And this kind of connects to our last conversation when we talked about is atheism uh, just a lack of belief. Well, when you define Christianity this way, um, it, it doesn't make sense to even have that discussion anymore. Uh, so if you're going to deny the Christian worldview, then you have to affirm something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you can't. As you said, everybody has a worldview. I mean, even if you don't, uh, at least you don't know that you identify with something, you are still viewing the world. Uh, and you're right. still doing it with certain presuppositions and, and assumptions. Right. And, and that's where uh, it's important then to start to catalog some of the different worldviews. And uh, the book, The Universe Next Door, James Sire's book, uh, does an excellent job cataloging uh, some of the major worldviews. Uh, so in this book, he, I mean, he talks about Christian theism. Uh, he talks about deism and naturalism. Um, now, what I'm going to focus on in, in this series, so I'm not going to go through all of the worldviews that James Sires mention, mentions, but um, I do want to focus on this naturalism or materialism, uh, which would be the worldview that says, in the words of Carl Sagan, the universe is all that is, all that was, all that ever will be. Uh, so if you, you got rid of the universe, we do that thought experiment on the board, you erase the entire um, entire thing on the board, uh, you don't have anything. I mean, all that exists is the universe according to naturalism or materialism. Um, we'll also look at, at pantheism, and really I think that pantheism is just... Um, it's just naturalism in disguise. It's just a religious form of naturalism. So there's really not a whole lot of difference uh, between pantheism and naturalism. So we'll look we'll look at that as well. Um, we'll also maybe spend some time on relativism, postmodernism, and scientism. Um, now, now this is important to understand that when we're looking at different worldviews. So when we're looking at uh, Christian theism versus naturalism versus pantheism. Uh, we're thinking, I mean, big picture, the metaphysical outlook of the worldview. Uh, when you start talking about things like postmodernism or scientism, uh, these 
these worldviews focus more on the epistemology, so how do we know anything at all? And postmodernism will, will just say there is no truth, and if there is no truth, then there's nothing that we can really know. Uh, all knowledge is at some level just kind of a power play between uh, competing systems of thought. Uh, but then, you, you, on the other hand, you might have something like scientism that says the only way that you can know things is through science. Um, and so we'll spend some time looking at that as well. Um, and if we have time after that, maybe we'll look at some other worldviews. But I think those are uh, some of the big ones in our world today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and it's funny, you started with, with naturalism before you jump into that. Uh, really, if you're saying that all that exists is what nature is, is the universe, it's, it's almost a contradiction in terms once you say the universe isn't eternal. Because the universe couldn't exist if the universe is all that exists. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you're really getting into, so, okay, if you have these different worldviews, then how do you start to test them? Uh, and you're, you're pointing out that naturalism is a self-defeating worldview, which I agree. <clears throat> and there's really two, two tests. I mean, you can develop more than this, but I think uh, there's two tests that you can give um, to work through different worldviews. And the first test is, is the worldview logically consistent? Uh, so if a worldview is not logically consistent, then you should just reject it. It has to be false. Uh, so if it, if it can't even pass that test, there's no reason to hold on to it. Um, and maybe I'll give you um, one or two examples of what a self-defeating um, or logically inconsistent worldview uh, might be. Uh, but then the second one is, does the worldview correspond to our experience? Um, and here I'm thinking of two different types of experience. So one would just be the empirical evidence or the empirical data. Uh, does it correspond to the data that we know? Uh, but then there's also this lived experience. And by that, what I mean is uh, we all have this uh, sense of morality. Uh, even people who don't believe in objective moral values, they still have a sense of right and wrong. Um, they might not always agree on what's right and wrong. Um, we obviously know that people have disagreements over moral issues, but they have some sort of moral feeling inside. And the question is, uh, does that moral feeling that you have does that actually correspond to the real world? If you say that there are no moral values, can you actually live according to, uh, to that uh, system, to that worldview? Um, and our lived experience might also refer to uh, the beauty of the world. Does your worldview make sense out of beauty? Or even just searching for meaning, significance, happiness in life. Um, and so that would be another test to look at when we look at worldviews. So does it is it logically consistent, and does it correspond to our experience? All right. So does it does it correspond to what we've actually lived and what we know uh, to be true based on our knowledge? Right. Yeah. Or another way to say, like, can you actually live according to that worldview, hmm. um, or or do you have to? So I had a friend uh, several years ago. Uh, I was an atheist that I met with um, on a weekly basis. Uh, we actually. Um, became friends at a at an event that both him and I went to. And we started talking. Uh, he said he didn't believe in God. I told him that I did believe in God. Um, we had a really good conversation, and we wanted to continue it. Uh, and so I just suggested, you know, why don't you recommend a book for me to read, uh, and then I'll recommend a book for you to read, and then we'll just meet weekly and kind of compare notes. And so the book that he recommended for me was uh, Sam Harris's The End of Faith, uh, and so I went through a chapter of that each week and kind of gave him my, my feedback. 
Uh, and then I recommended uh, to him Tim Keller's The Reason for God. Um, and again, we just kind of compared notes. Uh, but it was interesting. At one point, uh, this was probably after meeting for two, three months. Um, one of the things that I kept saying to him was, uh, he was so he was an atheist, he was a naturalist. Um, I asked him to explain to me how his worldview made sense out of reason, morality, beauty, uh, and all of that. And he attempted for a few months to show how it did. Uh, but I remember the day that I showed up and he said, you know what? I think you're right. Naturalism doesn't make sense out of any of these concepts. And I was thinking that he was getting ready to become a Christian. Uh, but instead, tragically, what he did is he said, uh, so I don't think those things actually exist. Oh, I wow. Don't think there's, yeah, he's like, I don't think there is. He actually became a nihilist. He told me that's his new world. He's a nihilist really? now. He doesn't believe that uh, there's any sense or reason to life. Life is just absurd. Wow. And, and one of the things, I mean, at that point when he got there, I, I said, you know, I appreciate that you're being consistent. Um, but now my question for you is, can you actually live according to that worldview? Uh, and and what he said that he was planning on doing is he was going to live as though life was reasonable and he was going to live as though ethics are real, even though he knows deep down that they're really not. Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, that's kind of a hard lie to live to live according to. Like, I mean, I just think for me, if if I know deep down what I'm doing, it doesn't really matter or my moral system is not really anything real. Um, I just think I would have a hard time faking myself for the rest of my life. And I think that's the cost of having the wrong worldview. Yeah, right. And I, I think it also might demonstrate that he may not believe nothing matters as much as he thinks he does. Um, for sure. I, I mean, I'm sure if he was sick, he would go to a doctor. If he was or dying, he would call an ambulance and, and so on and so forth. So I think even our own nature can, can sort of testify against this. Absolutely. And I sometimes wonder if this is what Paul means in Romans 1, uh, where he says that um, we have this tendency to suppress the truth about God and on our own unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what happened. Like, we know that God exists, but we have to, you know, push it deep down um, because our whole life testifies that we believe uh, in the existence of God. Yeah, I, w- I would agree 100%. That's actually one of my... Uh, one of my favorite passages. I think some people can use it and, and go a little too far with it and, and sort of turn it into circular reasoning. But uh, that's right. that's one of my favorite places to go in Scripture because um, it it shows the, in my opinion, it shows the atheist that you deep down you don't reject God as strongly as you think that you do. Um, right. And it took me a long time to say that confidently and not feel like uh, <laughs> like I don't know what I'm talking about. But if I believe that that is what the Scripture is telling us, then uh, yeah, I mean, I I believe that it's true, and right. I, and I don't know about you. This episode's blowing by. We have like a minute and a half left. Uh, but what <laughs> okay. but what would you tell uh, our audience about why is it why is it so important to test these worldviews? Well, I mean, the best thing I can say with that is if you want to uh, live a life uh, according to to truth, um, if you want to live a, a real authentic life. Um, and a real meaningful life, uh, then I think these are some of the most important questions that we can can ask. So, um, and I think, I mean, from a Christian perspective, I think since all of us are created in the image of God, I think deep down that we want to live a life of significance and we want to live a life that matters. 
And so that's what I would appeal to with someone is is that. And if if they don't, then I would. Um, I mean, that's somebody that I. I mean, I want to pray for everyone, but that's somebody that I would pray that they would want to live a life that's that's meaningful. And what we're saying is that meaning is only found in, in God. Right, and I think that point about praying for them is is so important too, especially when it's somebody who you have a relationship with uh, ongoingly. And um, I I think that's something that's often looked over when we get into the logical aspect of it. But Mike Burhau, once again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being part and such a huge part of the Universe Next Door. Uh, And thank you for listening. We'll see you back here next week. You've been listening to The Universe Next Door with Dr. Tom Woodward, sponsored by the C.S. Lewis Society and Trinity College of Florida and supported through the gifts of listeners just like you. To gather resources, continue the conversation, and support The Universe Next Door with your financial gifts, go to apologetics.org. That's apologetics.org. And join us again next time as we continue to seek the truth about life, faith, and worldview in The Universe Next Door. Thank you.